Welcome. We hope you enjoy this recording from Christ City Church, based in Dublin, Ireland. For more podcasts and information on the church, please visit ChristCityChurch.ie. Thank you for listening. So Gronia is going to read for us. We're looking at Galatians chapter 2 today, from verse 11. When Jesus came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, You are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it, then, that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Jesus Christ, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. But if, in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't, me- doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live is in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness could be gained through the law. Christ died for nothing. Thank you very much. Good morning. What a joy it is to have God's word before us. Let me, let me pray for us as we come to this. Almighty God, we want to bow before you in our hearts and minds now as we come to your word. We, we thank you that you speak to us today, now. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to hear your voice. Help us to understand all that we really have in Jesus and what that means for how we should live for him. We pray in his name. Amen. The difference between being accepted and rejected is huge, isn't it? So if you've ever felt rejection, maybe, you know, friends have sort of um, not invited you or or the family have sort of shut you out a bit or or an employer maybe has sort of not appreciated you, it can be really hurtful, that rejection. And yet when you're accepted, when you're welcomed in, it is just such an amazing feeling. Um, I, I suspect maybe uh, for some of you here come from different countries, you came to Dublin, and uh, maybe when you came to Christ City Church, it was the first time you really felt welcomed in and accepted. So wonderful. Well, maybe actually it's in the workplace and, it, and you were on a probationary period, but then they said, no, you are now permanent. Or uh, some of you may have had this experience. At one stage, you were a boyfriend or girlfriend, you were sort of outside the family, but then... Well, the, uh, the family became your in-laws, and you were welcomed in. 
the wonderful reality for us, if we are trusting in Jesus Christ today, is that we have been welcomed in, accepted by Almighty God himself. Uh, not because of anything we've done. We were thinking a little bit about this uh, yesterday. Not because we're good. Not because we're better than other people. Not because we're re- we, we have some sort of religious or spirituality thing going on. It is because of what Jesus has done for us. And so yesterday we were thinking about this. Just Jesus and nothing else is everything we need. What we're going to think about uh, in the next little while is this question. Do we live as if we are accepted by God? Do we live by just Jesus? Because I think a lot of the time we say we, we live by faith, that Jesus has done it all, um, but actually it feels like we live by law. That, you know, we must do more, we've not done enough. And so, you know, maybe it's when you sent that angry email, you know you shouldn't have done it, but you just wanted to vent or you, you realize actually that conversation was gossiping. Or as you reflect on your desire to pray, you really haven't prayed. And you think, well, it feels like, therefore, God loves me less. Or you've been really good. You, you've, you've served hard at church. You, you've read your Bible every day. You, you feel like you're having a real impact on the part of the city that you're involved in. And so you feel like God loves you more. Why is that? Well, I think it's because uh, some of the time we still think we need to prove ourselves to God. We say that Christianity is about a relationship and not about rules, but we st- spend time worrying, are we good enough? Or, or, or does God really love me? Or we think we need to prove ourselves to others. So we say Christianity is about being loved by God and, and knowing that love, and yet we're so concerned about how we look in the sight of other people. We really need their approval. And actually, sometimes, especially in, in church. Um, I, I said this uh, last night, but this is one of my biggest battles. It really is. I really struggle with this. I just like to be liked. Um, I crave approval, whether it's from, from my wife, whether it's from um, folk at church, whether it's from friends. And, you know, I fear criticism, particularly from people whose opinion I sort of really value. And to my shame, actually, sometimes I'm more concerned about what people think about me than I am about what they think about Jesus. And what that does is it it robs me of joy and confidence in the gospel and also robs Jesus of glory. You see, we say Christianity is about just Jesus, but sometimes we live as if it's about Jesus plus rules. And actually, that is exactly what we find Peter doing in this passage today. And goodness me, Paul tackles him head on, doesn't he? Um, Would have been a red card, head taken off. He does this not just because this kind of living leads to a lack of assurance, anxiety, or seeking approval, or even that it leads to division among God's people. He tackles him because primarily it undermines the heart of the gospel, and there is real danger there. And that's why he retells this situation between him and Peter to the Galatians, because this is the same issue they're facing. 
and I would suggest probably some of us too. Have a look at verse 11. So when Cephas or Peter, depending on which um, uh, version you're in, um, same person, when, when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. In other words, um, he was clearly in the wrong. Let me get you to do a little bit of work. So why don't you do this in twos and threes? Um, what do you think Peter is doing, and why is he doing it? Just look at verses 11 to 13. I'm not going to give you long. Um, so what do you think Peter is doing, and why do you think he's doing it? Go for it. So the questions are, what do you think Peter is doing that, that Paul says is wrong, and why is he doing it? Okay, I am going to stop you. Um, so sorry if you feel like you're only just getting into it. Anyone, anyone want to have a stab? Um, what, what, what was Peter up to? So, say again. So he was eating with the Gentiles, yep. And then, and then what happens? Afraid of judgment, great. Um, and who was, what, where was he feeling that pressure from? Yeah, these, the, it seems this sort of Jewish group that had, that had come in, wasn't it? And so what happened as a result? Yeah, okay, distanced, him, distanced himself from them. Brilliant, brilliant. Let's have a look at this. So let me read verse, beginning of verse 12 to you again. For certain men came from James. He used to, um, uh, sorry, yeah, sorry. For before certain men came from James... He used to eat with the Gentiles. So he, Peter here, he, he used to eat with the Gentiles, the non-Jews. Eating together in that culture, hugely significant. Saying, you know, we are together. Um, and he did that because he knew the gospel. He knew that anyone who trusted in Jesus was fully accepted. In fact, if you read back at the beginning of chapter um, 2, verses 1 to 10, you'll see that actually he, this was discussed between Peter and Paul. They agreed on it, and this is what Peter preached, actually. So what happened? We'll look at verse 12 again. For certain men came from James, sorry, for before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belong to the circumcision group. You see, beforehand, Peter would have sat anywhere with anyone, maybe at the church weekend away or at the fellowship meal. He would have hung out with them. He would have had dinner in their homes. But then this group from James, I think probably what that means is from Jerusalem where James is, is leading the church. I, I'm not sure that it's with James's approval necessarily. This group come, sort of saying we're from the mothership, and then Peter draws back. He separates himself. You know, now he's eating at a special table, not in the dining room, but actually out, now out in the lounge just with, with these guys. He doesn't accept invites to their houses anymore. You know that feeling of, of being left out? It is so hurtful. It can cause such division, such rejection. And here it is among God's people, the people God has accepted. So why does Peter do it? Well, because he is afraid. 
because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. He was afraid of what others think. Was it, was it that he wanted their approval? Was it he was just trying to keep them happy? Don't you find that the temptation to compromise is so often because we're afraid of what others think? So certainly we feel that pressure in the world, don't we? You know, if, if just the general flow of stuff in Dublin is saying, you know, this, this is what everybody should do, what everybody should think, and, and we feel as a Christian, no, actually there's a, there's a very different line. That we feel afraid, but we feel it in the church as well. And, and maybe that temptation just to leave someone out of a group because everybody else wants um, just to have this to themselves. Or, or even actually I think the temptation to twist the truth, which is basically to lie. Because we don't want people to know the reality of what we're like. We're afraid of what they'll say, of what they'll think. Well, verse 13, Paul basically says Peter's a hypocrite. And he's led others to be hypocrites too. But, you know, the biggest issue isn't hypocrisy. It isn't even the division. It is what Peter is saying about the gospel. And so verse 14 Paul writes, when I saw they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel. That is literally out of step. Um, I'm sure you're aware tomorrow is Armistice Day. And uh, as um, across the world, people will be remembering the peace in 1918. And at the end of, ironically, the, world, the war to end all wars. Um, and from various different places across the world, people will be marching, marching to commemorate those who have um, lost their lives in war. I want you just for a moment to imagine the apostles marching. So they're not <laughs> marching with war in their hearts. They're marching the gospel march. Their faces are uplifted. They're singing the same gospel song. Peter and Paul include it. And yet, when you look down at their feet, what you find is everyone's feet are going the same way, except for Peter's. What, what are his feet doing? They're all over the place. Because Peter is out of step. Yes, he's singing the same song, but actually, he is not walking the right way. This is a real gospel issue. And Paul really wants to tackle this. Um, we're going to think about two questions as we do this. This is in your booklets, although I'm going to slightly change the second question you've got. Um, the first one is this, are we accepted by just Jesus or Jesus plus rules? And the second question, are we living by just Jesus or Jesus plus rules? So firstly, accepted by Jesus or Jesus plus rules. You see, Peter might say, you know, all are accepted by just Jesus, but actually his living says Jesus plus rules, that you're only fully accepted if you become a Jew. And so Peter takes Paul on publicly. Verse 14, when I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? You pressurize them by saying, well, you can't be in the in crowd unless you're a Jew. See, Peter, Paul says to Peter, you're a Jew, but... But now, most of the time, you don't keep the law. You don't live like a Jew. Why are you forcing Gentiles to live like a Jew? 
Jesus plus works of the law. In other words, circumcision, Jewish customs, rules are the complete opposite of the gospel of just Jesus. When we make it anything um, added to Jesus, it is the opposite of the gospel. So actually what you see, if you see the, the gospel march of the apostles, isn't, yes, Peter singing the same song, but actually he's marching in the opposite direction. Because only Jesus and Jesus alone justifies. And so Paul says, verse 15, we who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Picture Peter and Paul just for, just for a moment as Paul eyeballs Peter and <laughs> says to him, look, you know, you and me, we're, we're Jews by birth, law keepers, not Gentile sinners, uh, sort of sinner, sinful Gentiles. I think that's supposed to be in inverted commas. That's what the Jews would have called the Gentiles. That's what we were, but now... We know the law didn't work. It, it didn't justify us. It didn't make us acceptable to God. And that is why we believed in Jesus. Because it is through faith in Jesus that you are justified. We put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ. That word justified, it means declared absolutely forever in the right declared in the right do you um do you like uh courtroom dramas um they're one of my sort of favorite things to view so i love things like silk and the good wife and the good fight and stuff like that um and just i love i love the sort of dynamics in the courtroom you know is justice gonna rule what's gonna happen i want you just for a moment to imagine that you're the defendant. And this courtroom isn't um, just one of these judges from the drama. It is God's courtroom. It's God himself who sat in the judge's chair. And you stand accused. And actually, as the evidence is laid out, it is just overwhelming. As every thought and action, that those that bitterness, that, that desire to, to undermine others, that lack of love for people you know that you should love, that the lack of love for God himself, the lack of concern for him and his glory, all of it is just laid bare. And, well, <laughs> you think there's no hope. And then the judge declares the verdict, and the verdict is this, declared in the right and never again tried justified. And if we're Christians here this morning, that is what Jesus has done for us. As he died on the cross, taking the punishment that we deserve, it allows God justly to justify us because the penalty was paid in Christ. You see, if you're a Christian, uh, the gospel is not... Uh, 
um, about the need to be set free. It is the reality that we have been set free in Christ. And what we need to do is live out that freedom. So chapter 5, verse 1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. We have been set free. Let's live out that freedom. It's what Galatians is all about. We, we can't do it ourselves, can we? No one can. End of verse 16 of chapter 2. By the works of the law, no one will be justified. You know, we can, we can be good. We can read the Bible every day. We can go to church. We can become a Jew. But that will not justify us. What do we need to do? We need to trust in Jesus. And if we've done that, the verdict is fully, eternally accepted and justified, declared in the right. Now, it might be that you're sitting there thinking, well, you know, hang on. If you're saying that uh, trusting in Jesus means we're completely forgiven, and that is what I think the gospel says, you might be saying, well, you know, isn't that dangerous? If, if you don't need to keep the law, doesn't that just mean that people can live how they like? Doesn't actually Jesus make people worse sinners? Well, Paul addresses that verse 17. But if in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? You know, when we become a Christian and we realize we can't keep the law and that we are sinners and we realize the law is no good, well, Paul says that doesn't mean Jesus promotes sin. We're going to see more of this when we come to chapter 5 tomorrow morning. It's not becoming a Christian and giving up on the law that makes us sinners. No, we're already sinners. And, well, you can test that. Try going back to the law. Try rebuilding it. Verse 18, if I rebuild what I destroyed, then I would really be a lawbreaker. He says, you know, going back to the Lord doesn't make you less of a sinner. It just proves all over again that you are a lawbreaker. All over again. And so Paul says, don't go back to the Lord. Don't try and do Jesus plus rules. That won't justify you. It'll just show you all over again. You're a sinner and you need help. The biggest danger, um, Paul seems to be saying is that if we start living like this, living out a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all, actually we're living as if the cross never happened. Back in chapter 1, we're, we're, we're deserting the gospel, we're deserting Christ. Or verse 21 of this chapter, he says he doesn't do this. I don't set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. If we live like this, we're saying Christ died for nothing that we need to do stuff to be acceptable to God. And yet, this is what we try and do. We, we believe in Jesus, and yet we try and do Jesus plus rules. So we say, well, I need Jesus and a quiet time every day. Or I need Jesus, and I need to be at the praise and prayer evening. I, I need Jesus, and I need to be on that Sunday team. I need Jesus and, and religious duties, so, so baptism or, or confirmation or, or communion. Or, or I need Jesus and I, and I need to, to have a life that's sorted. So I need never to struggle with same-sex attraction. 
or anxiety or greed or lying. Or we say, you know, to belong, to, to really belong. Well, I need to have a, a successful life. I need to work in, um, in the Grand Canal and enjoy fancy coffee. Or to really belong, I need to be an extrovert. Just be one of those people who can sort of hold a room when I come in. Or to really belong, I need to, to sort of have a happy life. Not to struggle in my marriage or in my work or with depression or anything like that. Now, if we think like that, what we need to do is remember, we are accepted, justified for all eternity, not by Jesus plus rules, but through the grace of God, by Jesus alone. Just Jesus. Are we accepted by just Jesus? Or Jesus plus rules, just Jesus. But how then should we live? Are we living by just Jesus or Jesus plus rules? So the second question. Um, if we're living by just Jesus, then uh, that's a life lived free from the law, free from the law of others, if you like, so from their opinions, and for God. Verse 19, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. Paul here says that he's died to the law. Through the law, he's died to the law. Now, what does that mean? Well, I think it could mean one of two things. It could mean he's sort of done with the law. Like, you know, you sort of um, say, you know, that person is dead to me. It means they mean nothing to me. It could be he's, he's saying, you know, the law means nothing to him anymore. Or it could mean, and I think this might be more likely, that it is that the law has been dealt with. How do you, how do you satisfy law? So there's two ways to satisfy uh, law, by keeping it or by paying the penalty. So as you battled along the M50 through the traffic yesterday, I want you to imagine that in your car, you didn't actually have a, a tag and you'd never um, signed up for video registration. And so you went through the eat hole and there's two ways to satisfy that law, if you like. You can keep it by logging on and paying your, your toll or you can just wait until onto the, to the mat in your home lands the letter, the penalty, and you open it up and it's, I don't know, 16 euro rather than five or whatever it is. And if you pay that, well, then again, the law has been satisfied. The penalty's been paid. For the Christian, when Jesus Christ died, that penalty was fully paid. The law fully satisfied. When Jesus was strung up, crucified, bearing our sins. Actually, what was going on there, if we've trusted in Christ, is that as he was paying, I paid. As he was crucified, I was crucified. So Paul says, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. What happens here? I'm going to drop the mic for this. Hang on a second. When we trust in Christ, we are joined to Christ. So here is Christ and here is me. And when I trust in Christ, I am joined to Christ, spiritually speaking. So wherever Christ has gone, I have gone. So when Christ died, 
as Christians, what we see is my debt, my debt paid. The law satisfied for me. And that means, Paul says, I no longer live. The old I, the sinful I, is dead. The one that tried to earn acceptance that was unacceptable. Instead, Christ lives in me and he defines who I am. God looks at me the same way he looks at his son. And he says, accepted. And what that means for us is that we are free. Free from law. Free from Jesus plus rules. So free from the authority of the law. For that sense of, you know, I must do this. Human effort to be accepted. Free from the penalty of the law. From the need to pay, to, to earn our way back, to repay God. to The freedom from guilt and condemnation. Freedom from having to prove ourselves to God or, or make him love us. Freedom from having to prove ourselves to others and seek their approval. Uh, you know, did you worry today about what you're going to wear? Or, um, or people finding out what kind of work you do? Or, or did you just worry about, you know, how socially confident people will think you are? God says, I love you. You are completely accepted. Which means that we're just free, free to be honest, honest about our struggles. And careful not to put expectations on other Christians and say, you know, you need to prove yourself to me. Free. And so free to live for God. I love these words. Um, second half of verse 20. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Living for God means living by faith. Living by faith means set free from the law and accepted, but also trusting Jesus with the controls of my life. Now, you might be thinking, you know, like, I wouldn't even let my husband or wife have controls of the car. Why am I going to let anyone have controls of my life? Why would you trust Jesus? Why would you let him have your whole life? Why would you believe that walking his way is the best way? Well, because of how he has shown us how trustworthy he is, how much he wants the best for us. Paul says, the son of God, the eternal, almighty, perfect son of God loved me and gave himself for me. Let me take a couple of minutes just practically to, 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 for us to think before we finish. How do you actually do that? So we've been seeing we're accepted by just Jesus, not Jesus plus rules. We need to live just Jesus, not Jesus plus rules. But how practically do you do that? Next time. Next time you're tempted to live by law, you think, you know, I must do this if God is going to accept me, if, if I'm going to be sure of God's love. Or, or we're tempted to live by law when we think, you know, I, I can't do this. I can never get rid of this guilt. What we need to do, as Paul says, is live by faith. Look to Jesus and see that in him we have justification. For all eternity, fully accepted. 
Or next time we're tempted to seek approval from others, you know, or, or sort of hide who we really are because we don't want to sort of hear what they think about that or we're, we're scared of that. Or, or, or maybe tempted to hide our, our faith at work or at college or in the family. We need to live by faith. In the Son of God who, who sees the reality of what we are like and yet approves us, loves us. Or maybe next time when we're tempted to be self-righteous and look down on others and, and think they're sort of second-class Christians, they don't do the kind of stuff I do, or we complain about them, live by faith. In the Son of God who, who saw me and what he saw was my sin. And my failure, and yet he has loved me and forgiven me and rejoices over me. That's how he's treated me and how I should treat others. Well, next time when we're tempted to sin and we just think, oh, you know, I just, I, I just can't resist. It's just, it just looks too good. We need to live by faith. And see that Jesus is better. Jesus is the only one who is able to follow through on his promises to bring life and satisfaction. And in fact is the one who brings the absolute best. And is committed to, enough to, to give his life for us. Live by faith. So will we trust Jesus? Will we go on trusting Jesus? Believing that just Jesus is all we need. If we're Christians through Jesus. We're accepted fully by God forever. So don't go back to living by law. Live by faith in the one who loved you and gave himself for you. Let me give you a moment just on your own to, to pause, think, respond, pray, and then I'll lead us in a prayer. Almighty God, holy God, perfect God, just God. We thank you for the wonderful reality of the acceptance that we have. We thank you that you saw us in our, in our need and our failure. And you have justified us for all eternity. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you, the perfect Son of God, have loved us and given yourself for us. We thank you that we have your approval, your smile. And we pray that you would help us where we struggle to live that out. Help us to, to delight in the reality of, of your love and your acceptance. And help us to live it out, to walk in the same way that we sing. For Jesus' sake we pray.